I'm Abby, and this is We Have Notes, a podcast for the pop culture obsessed and the people who love them. And it's my 10th episode. I can't believe it. It's so exciting. I don't know what, what is the gift for the 10th episode of a podcast. I don't know. A mic stand? Uh, who knows? Um, and it's full on summer now. I actually just got back from going somewhere for the first time since, I guess, February 2020. Um, before the world shut down. And let me just say it was amazing to go somewhere and to have that place be New York was even better. I feel so energized. I was in the city, kind of bookended the trip in the city. And the city is back. I mean, it's not exactly the same. Obviously, the world is never going to be exactly the same as it was. But like, it was popping. Like, Euro dudes were watching football on a Sunday afternoon drunkenly at Felix. Um, it was so great to walk around and just, and of course see my friends that I hadn't seen in almost two years. Um, and then I was in the Hamptons, so I got to like sit by a pool and read books and go shopping in Sag Harbor and pretend like I had more money than I do, which is a great thing to do. Uh, sometimes, um, I came home to a pair of Gucci shoes that I had ordered like two months ago the like 1970s, like classic Gucci women's tennis sneaker. And let me just tell you, they were worth every penny. But I feel like Summer Abbey has really like come into play. And I love Summer Abbey. And I love this Summer Abbey. Um, And I also feel like I really got back into my like reading zone. So I thought I'd share a few things that are on my stack of books to read. Um, Of course, you know that I've already read Seven Days in June. And hopefully you're all reading it too by Tia Williams. Um, and they're, they're developing it for, as a TV series, which is so exciting. Um, I'm almost done with the other black girl by Zakia Dalila Harris. And it is so good. I have like 70 pages left and I just want to be done with work so I can finish reading it. There's like some twists and turns that I wasn't really expecting. Um, next up, I'm going to read my policeman by Beth Ann Roberts, which is not new, but that's the movie that, um, Harry is filming in Italy. And yeah, they were in England. Now they're in Italy. So like all my Harry's out there, like I know those Italy pictures are a lot. Um, He like must be stopped. And then I've got Brian Moylan's Housewives book. I'm very excited about. And Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I'm literally like pulling these books off my stack. And then Everyone Knows Your Mother is a Witch by Rivka Galchin. Um, I also have some actual like witchcraft books that I'm going to dive into. We'll maybe save that for another day. I also talked to an intuitive last week when I was in New York. And let me just say, she had some things to say that were incredible. Um, Christiana is now like officially a member of my team. Um, my team that, you know, keeps me well and sane or also feeds into my obsessions and passions um so anyway I hope you guys are having a great summer so far too and that it feels more normal than it than it did obviously last summer um the energy feels good I'm into it and I'm also very into my guest this week Farron Krenzel who I've known for a long time and we get into like such a really interesting conversation we just weave bob and weave our way through it which is the way I like it around here and always when you talk to Farron you just like end up having the most interesting conversations so I can't wait for you guys to hear that and we will be right back I feel like I say this every week, but today's guest and I have so much in common, in my opinion anyway, and it all kind of started before we even met. The amazing Farron Krenzel is also a Duke Blue Devil, though sadly she is enough younger than me that we were never at school at the same time. But I think that means you might have gotten a national championship in basketball while you were there, but I I did not. I'm the one class of the 90s that just didn't get one. Um, so while I may have been in Durham first, I have been like low-key following in Farron's trailblazing footsteps in the years ever since. She was doing incredible and inventive fashion reporting at the Daily or Fashion Week Daily before, well before I eventually became an executive editor there. And she is the founding editor of Fashionista and thus the total OG of that 
amazing group of women, which I talked about last week when I had the current editor, Tyler McCall, on the show. So she is currently the editorial director of the Newsette, which is a really fucking incredible newsletter that I'll let her tell you about in a little bit, and a contributing editor at Elle and has written for almost any fashionable and smart outlet that you can think of at some point. She is a wickedly good writer and of like journalistic pieces and creative writing, all of it. She's just amazing. And the thing with Farron is she's always kind of ahead of the curve. And it's one of the things I adore most about her. And also that she's like a real no bullshit person who can go deep on a wide variety of topics. Uh, We're going to chat about a couple of those today, including uh, a very divisive figure in pop culture, one Miss Gwyneth Paltrow, and actually what it was like working in, what it's like to work in fashion in real life. So welcome, Farron. How are you? I'm I'm glowing now that you did that that incredible (laughs) introduction. Wow, thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) How's Um, everything? Everything's really, wow. I feel like I can't say anything except everything is amazing. And there's a diamond path laid laid in front of me by Abby Gardner. Um, Guys, if you're listening, uh, you might hear me slurping. It's because it is is 9am. I don't necessarily do mornings and I really, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I will, I will always do it for you, Abby. And I'll also (laughs) do it for this podcast because I think it's fucking awesome. But thank you. Of course. But my brain usually gets into fights with mornings and loses. Yeah. So um, just heads up. You might hear me repeating myself. Keep it loose. Maybe. I like it. That's the way I like it. (laughs) You might also hear this. Ready? That's a slurp. It's not an ASMR flex. Is it? Me trying to get my Earl Grey. If you want it to be an ASMR flex, hang on. Ready? Earl Grey. All right. Um, like, I can't do it. Like, my voice doesn't go to that quiet of a decibel. <laughs> You'd be surprised, though. You know, Earl Grey is a lot like, I mean, not Earl Grey. See? Hello. Not awake yet. Um, ASMR is a lot like comedy. If you ask for it, you're not going to get it. Um, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. I think that, um, I think the people who try, it's funny, I... <laughs> I was reporting a story for business of fashion, actually, that ended up, it ended up not quite going where, where we needed it to go, um, just in terms of the evidence from fashion brands. So basically a couple of years ago, I want to say it was like two or three years ago. Um, what's it called? I heard Prada started doing these things on Instagram and it was like little, little bubble popping. Like there would be kisses on your Instagram, but as the lips would hit the screen, you would hear like pop, 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 like bubbles. And I said to one of the editors at Business of Fashion, you guys, this is ASMR. We have to do something about this. People are going to start using this more in their stores. People are going to start, you know, let's investigate. And brands at the time weren't that stoked to talk about their long-term marketing and in-store sales strategies. Who knew? (laughs) What? You don't say. Seriously. uh, So we didn't get, I didn't get the, the necessary evidence at the time to do a story that was anything other than a lot of speculation about how fashion may use ASMR, you know, in the near future. And it was cool to talk to, Uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and, you know, audio scientists and all those people, just there wasn't that much science about what this medium could do for sales, you know, which is good. We should be using it to see what it can do to help people (laughs) and not what it can do to (laughs) sell perfume. Yeah. Yeah. uh, But that's obviously coming if it isn't already here. Um, And so, so yeah. So, you know, uh, if you like- if you like the Earl Grey uh, whisper like and, and sigh, you can hire Wait, Abby. Do it again. Do it one more time. Oh, Jesus. Right. <laughs> See, I asked for it. Now it's not going to come. I, I went against your rule. All right. I guess we'll try it like this. If you like this, <laughs> buy the clip from Abby. Uh, give her all the money for her podcast and make fun <laughs> of me separately. Here we go. Okay. Earl Grey. <laughs> so good. I was just watching a clip yesterday. <laughs> Just watching a clip yesterday of um, from Z-Way's show, and she oh, had yeah. Phoebe Bridgers doing. She had Phoebe Bridgers reading um, phrases in ASMR. It was great. 
I mean, that is, did you see Zoe on Ellen? Um, yeah, Ellen, I just watched, I watched the clip this morning. Actually, I mean, it was up really early. <laughs> it's obviously phenomenal that she's getting such a wider audience, but Ellen didn't know what to do with her. And she didn't know what to do Do you think Ellen actually watched her show before she talked to Zoe? I don't know. I feel like people might have given her like, like someone on the staff probably prepped a whole, I mean, I can imagine like like anyone like prepped a whole thing. Maybe she watched like two clips. Like, I don't know. Cause it was like, I mean, but that's the beauty of Z-Way too. Like when people don't know what to do with her and that's what's so brilliant. I mean, she's just amazing, but it was, and just like given the year that like Ellen DeGeneres has had, well, like, that was it the was thing. I was like, incredible that she it even really was. Her. Well, no. And when Z-Way was like, you'd be an iconic guest. I was like, Ellen, you have no idea. Also <laughs> do this. Like, this is your ticket. You know, Ellen, yeah. like get on board, get on the Z-Way, you know, I don't want to say train because I feel like it's a luxury vehicle. Get on the Z-Way, yes. Mar- yes. you know, Lamborghini, um, Mustang, something like that. I think it's probably a Lamborghini, a pink Lamborghini. Get in that car, <laughs> that Ellen. That sounds good. That Go wherever right. Z-Way wants to take you. Yeah. Like this <laughs> is your path. Like this is the way that you could like come back in some form, like, I, if you were game to really go there with Z-Way, she's, like she's not though, because she doesn't. She's not. She's not. I mean, she's not it's aware. not that she's not self-aware need, enough. No, I think she is. I think you Ellen think is, is brilliant. Absolutely, I think Ellen. I think brilliant. she's brilliant. I mean, I think she is brilliant. I just think she might have been. Has she been too Hollywood powerful for too long that like she can't like see the forest for the trees in some way? I don't well, know. That's the problem with power, isn't it? Is that it's your forest and you get to move the trees. And no matter yes. what, you know, outcry, what force is coming from the outside, it takes a lot for that tree to come down. I mean, yeah. and we're not talking about one tree. We're talking about yeah. a, a reorganization of an entire ecosystem. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, the other thing with Ellen, listen, I'm not a Hollywood person. I, I say this with a huge disclaimer in that I don't know what I'm talking about. I feel like this is, you know. <laughs> Uh, such is the nature of a microphone. You you yeah. talk into it and talk. all of a sudden that, you have I the authority, love that. right? Just use it. You have a platform, baby. Well, <laughs> I don't know how big it is, but it's a platform. <laughs> so Abby will give you the sound, um, like the sound signature, you know, where it's like, skip ahead uh, until 6.15 <laughs> when Farron talks about something she actually knows about. And then like, you can do that. I, You know, but I do think the thing with Ellen and I think the thing with a lot of public figures... Um, um, that are um, good enough, I think is what we're going to say, uh, yeah. is that there's a huge centrist base in this country that feels unheard. Um, yeah. If you're from a suburb, as I am, as you are, if you went to a university that wasn't diehard liberal, but also wasn't, um, you know, Confederate monument as you did, as I did, I think you are seeing a huge, mostly white, uh, base that doesn't believe in orange monsters and, you know, conspiracy theories, but also is very resistant to the Z-Way school of comedy because to them it's accusatory and it's meant to be, you know, and it should be, but they, you know, they feel uncomfortable. They feel like they've done quote unquote, the work. They think things have gone quote unquote too far. Um, you know, they don't understand the difference necessarily between white feminism and feminism. Uh, they'll say things like, well, I didn't get a promotion when I was 23. So I know what it's like to be discriminated against. And it's like, of course you, you know what it's like. You don't know what it's like to be scared to drive a car. Um, you know, and you'll figure out an excuse on that too, instead of just accepting that experiences are different. And I think that Ellen with her friendship with the Bushes, with her, uh, you know, nice white lady (laughs) persona, she's a trailblazer. She's a queer icon. She, she shoved down a lot of doors that were closed to her and that can't be discounted and it can't be disrespected. She's also damn good at conversation, which you as a podcast host and also as a human being know is fucking impossible, you know, to get everyone in America to like you, especially as an openly queer figure in America. Yeah. It's fucking impossible. And she did it, you know, but I think that she is a lot of people's ally cookie. They're like, well, I let Ellen into my home. 
you know, what do you mean now I have to talk to Z-Way about how many black friends I have? And I think, um, so I, I don't think that she strategically would get in that hot pink, you know, Lamborghini, even Lamborghini. though she should. Yeah, yeah. Even though she should, cause that Lamborghini is driving faster and better and in a more interesting and more advanced path than anything that's driving right now. She's not going to sure do it. Is. I know. It's like they can't sit in the, and it, it, it's not easy. And I'm not saying I am always good at it. I try, but like sitting in the discomfort, whether that's like comedy, like Z Way does it in a comedic discomfort, but it's tapping into the larger discomfort of like so many, especially white people who are just like, I thought I was a good person. And it's like, you might be a good person. That doesn't mean you don't like have a lot to learn or try to listen to about other people or yeah, uh, you know, other experiences. And- it's like your, your experience is your experience, but you have to accept that like that was your experience, singularly yours. And a lot of that might've been because of the color of your skin or what, you know, whatever that is. Um, well, or and your, moving beyond that, how you identify. Uh, saying you it's know. not singularly yours, it's your communities because communities yes. are yes. homogenous, you know? Um, yeah. And they have been built that way. Uh, through communal zoning laws and through legislation and through, um, you know, religious or cultural organizations for years. And we should talk about totally. that. So, so yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard two <laughs> very, very lucky white women white talk women. about yeah. bias and uh, yeah. Ellen versus Z-Way. Although, you know what? I don't even want to say it that way. We shouldn't be putting two women against no. each other. I hope that Ellen and Z-Way was a- team up. I would just like to see the conversation that Z-Way would lead with her. Like, I, I would like to see that conversation. Uh, I would like to see Z-Way talk to everyone um, on the planet, basically. At I this agree. Point. But with someone <laughs> like Ellen, so I'd like brilliant. Z-Way to have more time. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I want like I a long that, form. Yeah, very long form. I think that what's great about Z-Way and what we haven't seen from her yet, but we should and we will, is that she's not, she obviously understands in a, in a freakishly sophisticated way, how to get a real situation to a punchline in lightning speed. You know, she's a, she's a comic genius and she has something, you know, some sort of timing inside of her that you can't buy, you can't teach. Like she just has it. But I think she also has the capacity if she wants to go this way to, to do a Barbara Walters, most interesting people situation where she's sitting with people for, 30, 40 minutes. And she's like, listen, you're actually going to tell me what's happening. Um, you know, I think that Oprah is doing a, an amazing job talking about mental health. You know, yeah. I don't think that Z-Way would do any less of a job sitting in front of Meghan Markle or sitting in front of Prince Harry being like, yeah. okay, but you had to know this was coming, Harry. Like you're from the most like colonial dynasty in all of Europe. What's up? Right. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I think that there's, anyway. Um. <laughs> no, I love it. Don't tell me you don't have these kind of thoughts at 9 a.m. I love it. Well, well you I, know. <laughs> only with things I'm very, you know, I, I love, love, love Z-Way. I, I feel like I started following her on Twitter right before she got huge. Um, yeah. It feels I, very like I I knew I knew at the and then people, but I'm so happy to see her blowing up like yeah she it's not quite every like, bit of it it's not quite the smugness of the indie band you know indie where band, you're yeah. like no. I knew like I remember being a Duke you know my sophomore year in the Strokes came and played Cat's Cradle oh. and it was just like <laughs> that's very I would have <laughs> been remember, well especially at that age in life yeah you're, you're 19 like, and you think you know yeah, everything everything and I remember coming back to campus and seeing all these you know. um like all these girls in their, God, what were they? You know, it was a very Britney time. Um, yes. So yes. in like their seven or it was, we were just coming out of the Britney time. So seeing all these girls in like their seven boot cuts and, yeah. you know, citizens like. Of humanity. Like, oh my God, that? citizens yeah, of humanity. Citizens rock and, remember Rock and Republic? Rock with like and the Republic. rainbow R on the ass. Yeah. Yes. So seeing all these girls with their, you know, ordained, uh, ordained denim butts and they weren't very kind to me, I'll be honest. And just thinking yeah. in my head, like, 
You guys are about to get knocked over by a wave. You don't know it's coming, but when it does, you won't be able to wear bootcut jeans anymore. And and this is what a 19-year-old in 2003 thinks. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm a few years older than you, but like we were like – I was like having those same emotions, like going and hanging out at seven B in the, in the village and like, and playing photo hunt and like maybe seeing a stroke, you know, hanging out. And I I, I I felt pretty cool. Okay. No, I remember the one weekend, um, at Duke when like I got a really cheap plane ticket to, to New York to come hang out with, um, my friends who were doing Duke in New York. If you didn't go to Duke, one, congratulations Two, uh, there's a, one of the things the school does that other schools like Emerson also do. That's actually pretty cool is you can study abroad, but you can also study at NYU or USC or, you know, a school in a bigger city, um, a coastal city, uh, instead of studying abroad. So I went to visit my friends who were doing their New York study <laughs> abroad. And, um, I insisted we go to Mars bar, uh, oh, just sure. so, just so I could maybe kind of see Fabrizio Moretti. Um, and, well, yeah. and it, there was a definite chance that you might see Fabrizio Moretti. I probably did. And I didn't even know it was him to be honest with you. I mean, let's be real. Like, <laughs> Foppish hair flapping around. Somewhere. How many? How many Fabrizio Moretti's did you see every night at Mars Bar? Seven. I mean, twelve. <laughs> like, I mean, on an, on a given night, you might have seen upward of fifteen, depending on how crowded it was. Yeah, I mean, it's really there should have been what like a sticker campaign. I feel like during that time, everybody was covering the walls with like Andre the Giant stickers. But I feel like there should have you know the that was like the Obey Giant moment. But I feel like there should have been stickers that said "We are all Fabrizio," right? um (laughs) something like that so 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 yeah uh yeah that was my I remember my cultural superiority (laughs) I I know I remember going to like a a VMA after party and it was like the strokes were big at this point but they were still like you felt ownership in New York over them and and I remember I wore this and this can like lead into maybe a little of our like working in fashion in New York because I yeah, think it was like, it's we such have an to interesting stay on topic because nobody. Um, but I remember like, I, I, was... I didn't like Farron before. Now like that's <laughs> it. We're done. <laughs> but um, I remember going to this VMA after party and I was wearing the like Mark by Mark the little denim cut off mini skirt. It was like. And then I was wearing the, I guess they were the collection boots, the like band, the like band boots with the gold um, buttons on the side. They were red, like knee high. Oh, um, the marching band boots. <laughs> the marching band boots. And I, you know, in my little itty bit of a self that was in my 20s and like a tank top and like this really cool necklace. And I was like, this is it. This is my outfit. I think I had like broke my boyfriend had broken up with me. So it was like, uh, we're going to meet a hot, like maybe there's a, maybe you can hook up with a stroke, maybe some other cool music, guy, you know, like it was one of those oh God, outfits that okay, you felt yeah. like you had those certain like going out outfits. I mean, you still have them. I still have things that are whatever, but like, especially in your twenties, I was just like, this is it. Like, this is the look. Like <laughs> I felt very cool. Anytime I, I mean, I really, like mark by mark was very important to me. It was very important to me also. In fact, the denim skirt that you describe is the first thing that I bought. I found it at the Barney's Warehouse sale when I was 20. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, I think like the thing, like the way you have always covered fashion, I think is just innovative and interesting and was just something different. And you're always like pushing those boundaries. So like what you were doing at the daily and then what you did at fashionista and like from just the tone to the whimsy that was in like your, the cool, like drawing on a, you know, like drawing your fashion trivia and doing those kind of things that I could never replicate when I, when I was there, cause I do not have artistic abilities, but, um, Brit could do it, but I couldn't do it. Um, but I just, you just like, made it this fresh new way that like it kind of hadn't been done. And and it was so different from kind of my early years of being, I mean, I started as a beauty editor, but it was like adjacent to fashion and it was just print, you know, and it was, and these magazines and it says, this is the hierarchy and this is the, and you like 
kind of shook those systems a little bit. But like we also there were still just always like crazy. I mean, I just was thinking about today because I was going to be talking to you. And I know like there's been a lot of stuff about Alexander Wang lately, but I was thinking about the gas station party. I was going to say you were thinking about the gas station. <laughs> yeah, because I um, the gas station party was I can't I mean, I guess I was at Fashionista. So I guess it was like 2009. No, it was and 2008. At, 2008. OK, see, so you know, you know all the dates. <laughs> 2008 2000, that or circa that time well and the problem you know if you're listening to this and you actually care um the problem with a lot of fashion dating is the collections yeah uh, you know until we got to see now by now um the collections were all kind of for like the next season so you could say like I'm at Alexander Wang you know uh fall it wasn't fall though, because it was yeah okay. So it was happening. The party was September. it was September. It was right September. because yeah. So, so was, you would say I'm at Alexander Wang's you know 2009 collection or yeah, 2008 yeah. collection. I think or no, you would say you're at his 2009 collection, but it was actually but it was 2008. 2008. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and but, that was the thing. Like also with mag, like in print days, like you'd be like, oh yeah, I'm already on Christmas. Like yeah, it's y'all July, lived light I'm years ahead. <laughs> yeah, light years ahead. And but that, that was, party was dope. I will say. And Jer- I will say this was my favorite moment. Jared Leto was there and he did brush my arm and it was my Angela Chase moment of my whole life. And I literally walked around like being like, I feel like Angela Chase, like he brushed against my arm and that was it. And I was like, cool, I've satisfied my high school fantasy. I interviewed him for a Gucci campaign and he was delightful. I loved him. We talked about bionic, uh, bionic spines. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. And that feels feels like something he would want to talk about. Like, I'm not surprised. I'm like, oh, that feels like something he would be into. You know, we were at Chateau Marmont and he was sitting on the floor and he was like, and he was propped up by all these pillows. And he was like, I'm so sorry. My back, you know, I've been trained. He was training for the vampire movie. Um, that I think it's a Marvel vampire movie. I'm so sorry. I don't actually know, but, um, he was, he's like, I've been training and I just needed to give my back a rest. And I know he's very into, you know, biotech and tech investments. And so I just kind of sat down on the, on the ground with him and I was like, okay, well, surely you can get Elon to build you a spine. And he started laughing and we, we ended up talking for, you know, 15 minutes about biotech and, um, and bionic, you know, joints and, um, the future of what it means so to have a body and, you know, the future of what longevity means and when are you human and when aren't you human and actually watching WandaVision forever later yeah. when they talk about um, Theseus's ship, I was like, hey, I talked about this on the floor with Jared Leto. <laughs> Chateau. <laughs> and nobody needs to know. Well, I guess y'all know now, but um, yeah. But, but yeah, what are your, um, do you have other, like, I mean, that's like, that's the thing about the world of fashion. Like it leads you down, like, of course there's like the, the literal fashion of it all, but also it's a world filled with a lot of different kinds of characters, um, some villains, <laughs> like, uh, party, like weird, you find yourself in weird circumstances, like at a party at a gas station on, you know, basically the West side highway, um, what are some of your like wackiest or most things that stand out like over the course of your career? Yeah, I've been really lucky and also really, um, really reckless, I guess. <laughs> I don't like yeah, saying I would re- say fearless. I, would I yeah, fearless. that's true for better or worse. Yes. I, I will walk up to anyone and be like, hi, I, I need to talk to you. And, um, yep. and when I was first starting out, you know, that's how, that's how I got things done. Nobody knew who I was, nor should they have. And I was, you know, this little curly haired kind of boppy girl. I dressed a lot like the way you uh, described yourself at that, uh, that VMA after party, you know, I didn't have a huge budget. Um, but, and I'm not, you know, tall or particularly thin or particularly, uh, symmetrical. So nobody was looking at me. Um, so I would just, walk up to people and be like, hi, I need you to talk to me. And a lot of times it didn't work. And, um, you know, uh, and I have to say in my own career, some of the things that have been the most surreal to me are people sitting down for 30, 40 minute interviews with me when once they or their publicist basically told me I was trash and that I should walk, you know, go away. So I, I find that to be fascinating. Yeah. But, um, 
you know, uh, let's see. I think um, in that vein, <laughs> uh, when I was first starting to write for L.com, um, I went to the Guggenheim for a press preview of the James Terrell exhibit and Raph was there uh, because he was, you know, throwing the after party that night. And I was like, I'm sorry, he's just sitting next to this light installation. He's all alone. This is a press preview. He is or was currently the creative director at Dior and one of the singular voices that we have right now. Why shouldn't I talk to him? And I think the the you know the prevailing feeling was you you give him a wide berth, you give him, you know, the, the space that a genius has accorded. And you probably right. do, but I didn't. I just walked up to him and sat down. And I was like, hi, I'm Farah and I work at Elle. Can I ask how you met James Terrell? <laughs> well, I love you so much. You're so great. <laughs> and, you know, to his very gracious credit, he talked a little bit about it. And um, and then I was walking away and I saw Kathy Horan walking towards him. But of course, Kathy Horan had a working, respectful relationship with him. <laughs> and, um, and she looked at me the way she, you know, always looks at me with a mix of absolute confusion and kind of, you know, mild amusement like oh okay yeah and this is still <laughs> happening great and uh, right. this girl's still out here doing this oh, all right no, no one has stabbed her yet <laughs> <laughs> um i love it yeah so you know there have definitely been moments like that um where i've sat down because it just i don't know how to say it i feel like when i was very young and i was I remember being on the playground, you know, and I was new. I started a new school in first grade. And I remember still really distinctly this like crazy, like clawing feeling in my gut when certain people would sit by me or be on the swings next to me or whatever. You should talk to them. You should be friends with them. And I remember in college, uh, you know, freshman year, sophomore year, feeling that way when I would see people around too. And those people became my best friends, much like in elementary school, you know, those right. girls on the swings became my best friends and a very similar feeling. And this is the only way I can describe it of you've got to go there. You've got to talk to them. It's like a scraping against my, my gut. Um, it happens when I see people that I want to interview. It's a, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a gnawing need inside of you. And like it, different people have that for different aspects. And, and Absolutely. hopefully if you lean into it, if you lean into it, it can lead to like a really interesting and amazing career or yeah, hobby or, can, or passion or whatever. You is. know, it will also lead to a lot of people laughing at you in your face yeah. and behind your back. But, um, but that's okay, you know, because what's worse is not listening to when something's scraping against your soul. And yeah, uh, you know, what's worse is ignoring that for the sake of propriety or for the sake of, well, what if it doesn't happen? And, you know, yeah. it doesn't happen for me all the time, but yeah, you've still got to try. I think it's an amazing thing that to, to be self-aware of at a young age too, because it took me a long time to embrace that. You know, I think there was like little hints and little hints and whatever that is inside of you to just be like, oh yeah, fuck it. No, I get that. But I'm weird. All this stuff that comes so easy to other people, it's taken me until, you know, I'm in my thirties and I finally feel like now I understand what it means to be a truly good listener. I understand what it means yeah. to truly, you know, be there for a friend. I still can't do a cartwheel. You know, there's just like so many basic yeah. things that I feel like people master early that I never got. But all the weird hard stuff, I think I did get early. I'm kind of a reverse person. I like I don't that. know if that That's makes great. sense. Yeah. You're just like a little flipped. You're like a little flipped askew, but in like a perfectly wonderful way. Well, God Have bless you, ever you. It doesn't always feel that way. <laughs> no, I, I think you're the fucking best. Um, I mean, I really do. I mean, I've, I, I have looked up to you like professionally that's not, so much. I, that is that's the absolute accurate, truth. I'm extremely flattered, but that's, that's like the absolute truth. It's clearly uh, mutual. And it's also like, that's, I love it. That's very kind. Thank um, you. Hold on. Wait, I'm trying to think of other just like, well, another, <laughs> yeah, there's so much bad shit shit. I mean, not that we need to drag anyone, but like people are fucking nuts in fashion <laughs> some people some like people, yeah some although, people are amazing and there's so much creativity and there's so much but like it's it's like the the machinations like behind the scenes are sometimes what are crazy less like like not 
as much the person, but just like the machine. The um, machine is the machine crazy. is what's crazy. I guess the it's not the person; far, it's the machine. Is yeah, like the machine so is wild. far weirder than the actual people. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. I think we're also in a very lucky. It, you, it's tricky because you can say anything about anyone on Twitter and potentially cause a real, you know, a real shitstorm. However, I do think that there is a real lack of tolerance now for quote unquote genius, which is really just, um, you know, which is really just indulgence and narcissism. It's funny. I was just watching the Halston documentary and it was, you know, it was cool. It was also really funny when I'm not sure it meant to be because Ian or Ewan McGregor is just stomping, you know, like a toddler around his atelier being like, well, I'm just not inspired. I'm like, you know, my, I'm like, if you tried to pull that shit now, people would laugh at you. Partly because of cautionary tales, like, like Halston, where you're like, listen, I've seen this happen. You know, what we're reckoning with now is kind of this golden parachute that we saw that he got where he drives off into the sunset. And, you know, God bless, we don't want anybody to not have the care and the right the after, you know, the aftercare that they need as someone creative, as someone who's a leader. Um, Like he should have absolutely had all that money and been able to drive off on the Pacific Coast Highway. Like good for you. But we we are still seeing that with a lot of leaders who have behaved badly and and who have really, um, you know, hurt people. And then it's like, okay, you're gone. And it's like, okay, they're gone, but they still have their stock options. They still, you know, have like this huge severance package. And you have a wake of employees who won't get the therapy they need or who won't trust their bosses in the future or even trust their own creative impulses, you know? At the same time, I think that we're entering this really weird era. And I I joke about it, but I'm not sure how to joke about it yet because I've been talking to a lot of people about this, um, you know, privately. Even when when I interview a designer now, it's I turn off my recorder and I say, if you don't want to talk about this on the record, I get it. But it's something that we all as an industry need to reckon with. And it's this idea that we have a real opportunity and a real mandate for inclusion, right? Yeah. So many different bodies need to be considered. So many different tastes and styles and backgrounds need to be considered and should be and must be you know, because that's where beauty comes from and that's where innovation comes from. Yep. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the fact that fashion itself is predicated on the very uh, annoying project runway ideal that you're either in or you're out, right? Something can't be in Mm -hmm. style if everything's in style. Something can't be trendy if everything's trendy. And so we have this really weird line that we're going to need to explore about how we make things desired and what desire means when everyone should be desired, you know, and when every concept should be considered desirable in some, you know, higher way. Right. I think there's there's going to be a real reckoning between the difference between inclusion and sizing, inclusion in background and inclusion in um, like aesthetics or inclusion in value. And yes, I, I personally think one has nothing to do with the other or shouldn't have anything to do with the other. I think you can, you know, there is value and there is beauty and there is talent in so many different types of people. But I think when we're talking about, you know, when we're talking about garments, if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. Right. And So I think that we're heading into this really weird time where we're finally getting to the point where we understand that Precious Lee should be making as much money as Carly Kloss, if not more, you know, like more, frankly, because she's fucking hot and also delightful. If you ever, ever have a chance to speak with her backstage or even just watch her work, like stand back, my God, Um, you know, she's a stick of dynamite as a young woman. She's fucking incredible. Um, Love it. That's not a question. You know, the question is when a new designer brings something to market, if the hem is unfinished, if the seam is crooked, you know, if the if the proportions just aren't working for people, um, how do we give feedback to these people and value their creative vision, but also guide them towards 
better craftsmanship, you know, better quality. And yeah. also the reality that it doesn't matter how fucking crazy your vision is. If nobody is paying money for your designs, you don't have a fashion line, you know, and right. conversely, it doesn't matter how like basic you are. If people are paying you for your clothes, guess what? You're a fashion designer. Um, right. You know, and then we can even extrapolate this, I think, a little bit further. I've been thinking a lot about Fashion Week that's coming up this fall. And in some ways, it's going to be such a restoration and a real celebration of, you know, everyone coming back. We have Rodarte coming. Moschino is going to be on the the main calendar for the first time. You know, Proenza is, is still here, which is really valuable because they weren't for a little while. Like, we're we're looking at some really exciting stuff coming up, you know, plus we have Christopher John Rogers, who has realized that knitwear is his, you know, other secret calling. Like, we have so many amazing names coming up. But we also have this culture where we want everyone to be included. And that's coming up against the culture of fashion and specifically the culture of fashion week, where are you on the list? you know, and you have like bouncers who will let you in or not let you in based purely on what you look like. And we have these, you know, Twitter warriors and TikTok warriors, mostly on Gen Z, who are fighting so hard for this principle of inclusion. But I do wonder what it means to them when they're invited and other people aren't. Will they still cling yeah. as steadfastly to, uh, you know, to this idea that fashion and democracy must be linked. And yeah, I don't know. It's really you interesting. Know? I, like, I don't know the answer either. It's going to be really, it's like been interesting to watch it evolve over like, I mean, really, since I also sound kind old. of influencers, but like, I know, it's you know, I'm almost afraid. I'm, I'm like, oh, God, yeah. is someone going to cancel me on Twitter? Because I said, like, people no. who believe in inclusion shouldn't go to parties, which is not what I said. Like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not at all what you said, I think. But I think it's like it's you're talking about, like, watching this evolution of the industry and we're in another phase of it now. And, and thank God, you know, like and, this industry, yeah. this industry is better than any other phase we've ever been in in so many ways. We're conscious of materials and labor in a different way now. You know, yeah. we're conscious of different bodies, the way people want to present their bodies. We've reckoned with a lot of the misogyny that comes from when one person, you know, tells a woman what her body should look like. Like, we're really having those conversations, and that's fucking awesome. What I don't so want is to see complacency. And also what I worry about is seeing the changing of the guard not where it's not inclusion. It's just, we're including different people, you know, but we're still right. not including everyone. 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 And, yeah. you know, and what is that? And is that possible in fashion? You know, does fashion always leave someone out? And what does that mean for us as a community? What does that mean for us as an art form? Um, what does that mean for us as, as an economic industry? You know, like it's that question that I would like to see us just thinking about, I don't think that there's, you know, it's too big a question. There isn't a solution. But as we come into this period where, you know, are you on the list or is your invitation? Are you sitting in front of or behind somebody? You know, are you coming to this dinner before the after party? Um, you know, did this person take your picture? Like whose site are you on? Who tagged you? Whatever. I, I do wonder if that's something that we are ready to reckon with and if it's something, you know, we need to reckon with and how, and I don't have an answer. It's just something that's really been on my mind lately. I know. And this is why I love talking to you about this stuff. Cause you're like <laughs> in it, but you're thinking about it. Cause I just and vomit you're... out problematic no, issues of no, no solution. And, and I'm like, no, bourgeois. But I mean, <laughs> no, but I think you find a way of like talking about things that is, that connects with people who are in the industry and who are not in the industry. I think like you're always finding a new way to, to bring, bring people into a topic. I think not take up your entire morning, but I want to talk about a little bit about what you do at Newsette too, because I think this is a, a place that has ex 
exploded. I feel like I get, I, someone forwarded it to me yesterday and I Yay, was like, life. I was like, well, I subscribe, but, um, well, cause what it was they... one of my old, it was one of my old, um, coworkers. Cause you had the Joanna Coles, Melora Hardin. I was thinking about you when I interviewed them. I'm not even lying. I was, I was thinking about you when I interviewed Joanna. So, so Newsette, like tell everyone it, so that they can subscribe if they don't know, give them like, give them the download. Okay, sure. So the Newsette is a newsletter. Uh, It comes out every morning in your inbox. We call it a latte for your inbox because it is useful. It'll wake you up, but it isn't going to slap you across the face. (laughs) Um, You know, there's also something a bit indulgent, a bit fun about it. Uh, Every day we have a quick roundup of news that we think you should know. It's not necessarily the news on the front page of the New York Times or CNN because we trust that you are an avid, engaged person in the world. So it's usually things that might be a little bit more under the radar that we want to bring to your attention, whether that's, you know, a reproductive rights act that isn't getting passed or uh, a trend about big puffy pillow bags and what that means about our psychology right now. Spoiler alert, it means we all need hugs, um, but you don't necessarily need to buy the $3,000 Bottega bag to get the hug. Although if you want to, it's a real cool bag, go for it. Um, Then we also, it really is. In every interview we have, um, we have an interview with one woman we think you should know. Um, and sometimes it's Joanna Coles. Sometimes it's a major celebrity like Cameron Diaz or yep. Selena Gomez, you know, and then other times it's someone who works at NASA or a woman whose job it is to build roller coasters or, uh, Somebody, Emma McElroy, who is the head of Wild Fang, which is a, a gender queer clothing company that's doing diversity training at Nordstrom right now. Um, or today, actually, we have uh, Melissa Greenberg, who is Seth Rogen's uh, director of everything at his new pot program. And it's her job to visit pot farms uh, around California and make sure that their growing standards uh, are, you know, helpful and not harmful to the soil. Uh, So we have all kinds, it's a really cool interview. Um, So we have all kinds of women that we want you to know. Uh, And then of course, there's a bit of shopping because it's me. Uh, And it's, it's a really special thing. uh, It is. It's a real community. The readers are are everything. Um, it was also founded by a young woman, Daniela Pearson, who is yeah. 25, um, which is the age I was when Fashionista started. And yep. she also felt the same kind of pull where she was like, I know women want this. I want this. Nobody's doing it. You know, the newsletter in her case, it was the newsletters that I'm getting are either so serious and, you know, I can just listen to the daily podcast and, and get the news or they're just kind of so out there that they're not useful. There's got to be a way, um, yeah. you know, to really connect with people. I joined about a year and a half ago, uh, specifically because I was super excited to have this like big audience of, of young women reading uh, coming into an election year, you know, yep. um, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a pretty exceptional place. and It um, is. It's really, really special. It's, so go it's, to com if you want to sign up. We'd love to have you. It's free. Uh, and you might meet your new, you know, best friend or your new imaginary work best friend. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of, of imaginary friends from, I, in general, I have a lot of imaginary friends, but I definitely feel like there are women, so many women that I've Oh, for sure. That I'm like, sure. oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like I'm like, we could definitely hang. Like, we could definitely hang. And I Absolutely. want to hang because I want to talk to this person more. For sure. Um, I feel like that's the best, you know, one of the best things about the news ad. And also, I think one of the best things if you choose to go into communications in any way is your job is literally to talk to people. And because of that, yeah. you get to meet so many you know, so many amazing people who do become your friends. I've absolutely interviewed people who afterwards I was like, this is weird, but can we get coffee? You're awesome. Um, and, and it's absolutely happened. Um, so yeah, it's a really, it's a really great thing. We love it. Um, and you should sign up and come join us. Um, um, for sure you should. I could not recommend it more. I feel like I could talk to you for a hundred more hours. We didn't even get into Gwyneth yet. You're going to have to come back. I love I Gwyneth. Take up your, I love I, Gwyneth too. I will never Forever. apologize for loving Gwyneth. Never. I will tell you my one, my one Gwyneth yes, flex let's story. Do it. I have one Gwyneth flex story. 
Um, so Gwyneth, there are many reasons that I love Gwyneth, but I will say, I think my actual love of Gwyneth started when, um, well, I loved Shakespeare in love, you know, I, she, I loved theater always. I was a theater major in college. I loved theater in, in high school. And, um, the only, the only time I would ever get like the cool romantic lead was when it was a Shakespeare play. So I just always oh. had a natural affinity for, for that world. And then Shakespeare in love came along and I was like, see, it's cool. But, um, but I also remember very clearly right after she won her Oscar, at least I think it was after she won her Oscar. It was some, she was on the Today Show and they said, you know, what are you going to do next? And she said, um, well, I have to go home and help my mom get ready for her Passover Seder. Um, and it was the first time that I had ever heard Judaism talked about as casually and as, you know, second nature as like as anything else that people talk about in American life and, you know, to have it be by this movie star that I worshiped that was at the time and still by many considered to be like one of the most beautiful women in the world. It really, it made me so excited and it made me feel included in a way I didn't know I needed to feel included or I didn't know I hadn't felt included, you know, until she said that. And, um, yeah. And it really, it made me just, love her. And still, you know, I even, I love the episode of who do you think you are, which is a weirdly great show. If y'all aren't watching it. Yeah, it is good. Yeah. Um, where she goes back to Poland and sees, you know, the synagogue, um, where her, um, where her great, great, whoever was a rabbi and, you know, it was, it was really meaningful to me, um, and really exciting, but the one, my one Gwyneth flex. So I, I've been very fortunate to interview a lot of really cool people for whatever reason, someone else is always the one who interviews Gwyneth when, you know, when she's doing an article. And in some ways that's probably, I've always said that's for the best, like don't meet your idols. You know, my other one way, even way before Mayor of Easttown, I've, I worship Kate Winslet. I have since I was probably 12 or 13. Sense and Sensibility was like the movie of my middle school life. So, um, you know, and I've never interviewed her and I, I think that might be on purpose because I kind of don't want, I'm sure she's awesome, but I kind of don't want to know, like, don't get too close to the sun, you know? Yeah. But so the one time that I ended up with a Gwyneth interview, it was some goop, very small goop thing. Like they were launching, you know, vitamins or skin supplements, or I don't even remember. Um, but I'd, you know, Leah um, at all.com mm-hmm. had Leah Chernikoff, another ex-fashionista. Yes. Um, yes, indeed. Who is, who is frankly one of the most brilliant editors uh, awesome. working right now. And if, if you guys listening have a chance to work with her, do not, you know, move heaven and earth so that you can work with her and watch her work. She's pretty, pretty spectacular. But anyway, okay. So Leia had assigned me this Gwyneth interview, uh, like with a lot of celebrity interviews, it was, the appointment was made, you know, three, four weeks in advance. And then my dad went and died. And, um, yep. and that's something else that happened and, you know, yep. loved him very much. Phenomenal. Whole other episode. But, um, oh, we could do a We could do a losing a parent episode oh, we, and how it plays out will. in culture. We could we absolutely will. do that. You know, I like to talk about grief and culture and, and we have both unfortunately lost a parent. Yeah. Well, as I, I would ha- go there. As Molly Rosen guy says, welcome to the dad dad's club. It's fucking awful. Yeah. Um, but so, uh, so in Jewish tradition, we have this thing called Shiva, uh, where it's like three days, seven days, whatever your practice is, you stay home with your family after the funeral and people come to you and they bring you tons of food. And, um, it's actually, you know, and the rabbi comes and you pray and, um, and it's, it's really useful because it lets you decompress. Um, it also, if you're doing it right, lets you laugh a lot in like a great way. Um, and, you know, my cousins, who I don't get to see that often, they came over. My aunt and uncle, who I love, came over. We would have family Jeopardy tournaments at night. Like, it was a really healing, yeah, unbelievably meaningful, um, you know, part of part of my life. Um, and and also very funny. Like, it should be a comedy. The <laughs> a, f- a former Miss Israel showed up at our house. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, she was friends with my dad and, um, you know, tried to set me yeah. up with her son. Like, it was, there were so many things that just, like, should be in a really, a really sharp comedy. But anyway, so Gwyneth, my interview with Gwyneth 
happened to be scheduled during Shiva. Mm-hmm. I didn't think to reschedule it because I didn't, I wasn't thinking at all. You know, it was like, yeah, you weren't thinking you aren't in your head. You're not in your body. No, yeah. totally. It was like two days after, you know, I was like, okay, whatever. And then Gosh, I see yeah, on yeah. my email, like the Goop publicist being like, Hey, Gwyneth, you know, or GP, I think they call her is like ready to call. Yeah, they do. And I was yeah. like, Oh fuck. And so I interview, you know, I interview Gwyneth Paltrow, which is like, she's on the phone, my phone with me, her voice is coming out of my phone, which is like, if you had told 16 year old me, I would have fallen yeah. over crying. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> I'm on this bed that I haven't made in three days. The dress I wore to the funeral is like still on the floor. And I'm talking to fucking Gwyneth Paltrow about her relationship to her body and her skin and the energy that she feels, you know, or doesn't feel as she gets older. And it was one of the first times in two or three days that I had thought about anything other than what was right in front of me. And then at the end, you know, she's lost a, a dad um, and yep. has been very open Her about beloved it. beloved father. Yeah. yeah and I didn't. Much about it. I, I appreciate it. I listened back to that, some of that after my mom died. Like, yeah, I. She's been very real about it. Very. And I, and I, I identify very much with the stuff she said, you know, about her dad and, um, because I see a lot of that in mine. And yeah. I didn't bring it up because I didn't want to be like that, you know, sweet yeah. molasses girl being like, by the way, like I'm a Shiva. Yeah. Like I wasn't going to do that. But what I did do, because the whole thing was so fucking absurd, is I came to kind of the stare, you know, the rest of my family was like at the, uh, um, they were sitting on the couch and like in the living room hanging out. And I came to like the stairway over my mom's living room. And I just said, can I ask you the biggest favor? Can you just like say hi to my family? And she was like, yeah, of course. And so I put her on speaker and I was like, guys, Gwyneth says hi. (laughs) (laughs) And Gwyneth Paltrow said hello to my mom, my aunt, my, you know, everybody while we were all hanging out eating leftover bagels from Shiva. Yeah. And, you know, having my mom and my mom, loves Gwyneth and also knows how much I do. And, you know, yeah. having like that little it's tiny. It's making me a little misty. I'm like a little bit about to cry. Just having that it's really little. really sweet. It's very lovely. That little tiny, like life moves on. Also, if dad were here, he would be laughing his fucking ass off because like, of course, Farron is in her, you know, Christmas pajamas, like in like her room talking, talking to Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow. Paltrow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, of course. Of course. Of course. She is. He's like, of course she is. Um, it was so funny and so cool. And so listen, I don't think you should put a, a quartz anything in your vagina. I think you should listen to experts like Dr. Jen Gunter. Sure. Uh, yeah. But I don't care. I think that she's yeah. started a business. She has played Pepper Potts with Grace and been a female Avenger who walked into battle. Um, you know, yes, she has. Her kids seem God lovely. She gives great relationship advice and she made things really fun for my family at a really shitty time just by saying hi and so like Gwyneth that's like a forever special come over anytime you want I am always here for you yeah come talk to us here too yes please be on Abby come come talk to the news (laughs) and then please go on Abby's podcast that would be amazing well F you're the best so thank you for coming on and chatting with me. I, please. You'll have to come back and we'll do it again soon. Anytime. What thank other, a million other topics. No, anytime. Thank you so much for, for listening. Um, if you are still listening to this one, congratulations. Um, to do both Abby and me a favor um, and just head to vote.org and check and make sure that you are still registered. There you if go. If you are in um, yeah, baby. one of the states that has uh, some of the suppression laws happening, they're scrubbing those registers. Yep. And uh, you don't deserve to be scrubbed. You're, we need your voice. We want your voice. Uh, doesn't matter yeah. where you are. Even if you think you're in a blue area like New York City, where yep. a lot of the local politicians are actually not that blue, um, yep. we need you. You know, if we reported this in the news out the other day. Uh, Illinois, by a very narrow margin, passed a more comprehensive sex ed bill that includes uh, gay marriage. It includes abortion rights. And it, that would not have happened if people hadn't voted for local school board in their elections. Local, local, local. local. So just do us a favor. And if you like this podcast, yes, first please. send Abby a lot of money. Um, <laughs> se- you know, and if you can't send money, send Mew Mew. Uh, but then <laughs> yes, do, do this, go to vote.org. Just make yes. sure you're registered and do some light, you know, on the toilet reading about your candidates um, because we need you. Uh, and the young women out there who can't vote yet, 
uh, but who need contraception and real information about their bodies and also real information about the history of America that hasn't been whitewashed and mansplained. They need you. So do that. And thank you again. Thanks, Farron. I love you. Thank you so much to Farron for that amazing conversation. Uh, I I just love talking to her so much, and I hope you enjoyed it too. We're going to have to come back to Gwyneth at some point. I have so much to say about Gwenny. I've been loving that lady since she was doing TV movies with her mom in the 90s. Uh, so we'll have to save that for another day. And I hope that you guys will share maybe some of the books you're reading this summer so I can add to my list now that I feel like I'm back in my reading reading mood. Um, and until next week, I mean, let's just, let's bask in like the glory that is Benifer gave us makeout shots at Nobu. Like they really are just like going back to the past. Past was the Ivy. Now we're making out at Nobu. And my friend Aaron and I were texting and we were like, th- she was like, you know, they're just, they're doing this all for us. And frankly, it's blissful and and they're goddamn american heroes of a of a very niche variety but still i mean it's just so enjoyable i'm eating it up it's such a perfect summer story and uh until then you know you can rate and review on apple podcasts that's always appreciated follow on instagram at we have notes or at abby c gardner you can subscribe to the newsletter which is totally free at we have notes.substack.com or if you want to email if you have something you want to hear me talk about it's we have notes at speakstudiopodcasting.com or you can just dm me dm me book recs too i love to hear them and i will talk to you next week 